This week, we chat with the kids at Big D's Table. Stay tuned. Welcome to On the Upbeat. I'm Matt. Hey, and I'm RJ Phoenix. I don't know what it is, but RJ, you're coming in kind of quiet right there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just said, uh, apparently, I'm the podcast host who's taller than you think I would be. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. RJ and I went to see the Slackers Bite Me Bambi and Big D in the kids' table this week. And uh, Talina from Bite Me Bambi seemed to be I um, focused on how tall RJ was and that he is taller than she thought <laughs> yeah because i was standing right next to mike who i think has even another inch on me like i was like y- y- you're, you're around tall people all the time Selena. why is it crazy that i'm so <laughs> tall yeah i don't know i don't know but we are excited to be here this week oh yeah uh, we do have a guest rj why don't you tell us about our guest this week uh, our guest is a member of the band Control of This, one-time toaster, big guy down on the Florida ska scene, one of my favorite people. His name is Jeff Ritchie, and I'm so glad he's on the show today. Yay. How are you doing, Jeff? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We are excited to chat with you. I just found out you were in the toasters, which I did not know. Thanks, RJ. Huh. Well, I, last time I talked to Jeff and I interviewed him on the Scott after party, I think I found out like halfway through the show when I was like, so what's your career in Scott? Well, I used to be in the toasters. I was like, well, fuck, I really should have done my research. <laughs> yeah. So I joined the toasters uh, in 1999. I was 19 years old and uh, I was playing in a band in Philadelphia called Ratskeller. Um, oh, with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Kenneth sent me a also, couple songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing in Skinatra, the all Scott Frank Sinatra cover band from New Jersey and hanging around the New York, New Jersey, Philly ska scene when I was before I was even old enough to get into most of the shows. Um, and uh, I ended up subbing in the toasters a few times in 1999 and 2020 uh, in uh, 2000, I mean. And then by 2001, I was I had a passport and I was a full fledged member and I played with them until 2008. Mm. So I had a, a nice long stretch there, uh, kind of growing up in that band, uh, not just um, ska wise, but musically as well. Like I was getting my chops and studying music at Temple in Philadelphia uh, and learning how to be a professional musician, basically by being in that band and uh, traveling the world and getting to see some of the most amazing ska and not ska bands uh, <laughs> I've ever been privileged to share the stage with. So great stories, great memories. Love those guys. Um, and uh, we'll continue to support whatever they do, uh, whatever Bucket decides to do as they continue to play shows and kick ass all over. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh, hell yeah. We will definitely get into uh, yeah, well, more of your... We want to uh, hear some of those history. stories later, <laughs> too. <Yeah. laughs> um, it's, it was a fun ride, for sure. But uh, how is this winter season going for you? How are things, Jeff? How's life? Yeah, life's good, man. I've got a decent little bartender job down here, and I'm in, like, four bands right now. So I'm playing a lot. I freelance as well. Um, and Control This is happily 
carrying the torch here in the Orlando area for the, the ska scene. And we got like a bunch of shows already set up for next year here in town and looking to play out of town a little bit too, if we can and put some new music out and uh, just staying positive and keeping a good vibe here in, in the city. Beautiful. Awesome. RJ, how, how was your weekend? I know we, we obviously saw each other on Saturday, but uh, yeah, we went, we went to that show, which was fun. I, I didn't get into this last week, but uh, right before we recorded uh, the uh, last week's episode, I had been awake for about 23 hours. So if I was a little quiet on that episode, I apologize. Um, but uh, I had a cat swallow something that wasn't food that needed to come out of their stomach. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I was in the kitty, two different uh, emergency packs. And yeah, yeah, I was, I was very sleepy. I was a very sleepy boy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's been like the big shakeup in my life other than uh, driving a few hours to go see that show this weekend with uh, Matt. And uh, only driving a one hour home because that's how traffic works in Southern California. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Coming south, essentially, um, it takes forever. Going north, yeah. not so bad. I mean, it's, it's essentially driving, you know, at 6 p.m. and then driving at midnight. Sure. Or, or same like for one in the morning. Yeah. Same <laughs> for us when we go to when we go to Tampa. It takes two and a half hours to get there and 45 minutes to get back. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yes. Obviously. So, yeah, we did go see, uh, you know, the slackers by me, Bambi and Big D this weekend together. And uh, nice. That was a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. Also. So uh, the, the day before that, on Friday, I went to a quote unquote secret show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, a very public announced secret show. Uh, you know, not so secret show. Yeah, basically a secret show in someone's backyard that you had to ask to get the address for. Um, because what was intended to be part of the uh, Joker's Republic uh, sort of West Coast tour, uh, they couldn't find an Orange County date to make work with their schedule. So lucky enough, someone stepped up and was like, hey, you can come play my backyard. So they had already kind of booked They'd already kind of locked in their the you know the other bands that were playing, and so they, <laughs> they just, had a full bill but no venue. Yeah, they had a full bill, no venue, and so someone opened up their backyard, and it was pretty much the bands, and then maybe like fifteen, twenty other people. <laughs> so that's and, still a good crowd with the size yeah, of ska bands. Yes, it yes. sounds like a sounds like a good time to me. It was. Yeah, every was B, uh, BYOB. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, you know, the host got some food, um, and some nachos and pizza. And nice. so, so it was good. It was a really good time to sort of see, uh, a band, you know, a bunch of bands. Uh, and it was good to see Joker's Republic. Everyone else who was playing that show was all, you know, sort of Southern California bands. And so having, uh, Joker's Republic out here from, uh, New Jersey was super awesome to just see them and hang out with them and chat with them uh, in person, you know, since sort of their latest album coming out. So that was nice. It was a good time. And uh, yeah, so you know what? With all that said, we got some ska news to get to. Yeah, and, uh, little news. And uh, so let's get into some ska news. Here we go. Rude girls and rude boys too. Grab your friends and listen to what we're telling you. I'm sorry, you might have heard, but again, you're about to miss me. 
News. Yes, Ska News, where we tell you about the latest releases and uh, happenings in the Ska community. All right, uh, first up, on December 9th, the Holophonics released a third and final single off their upcoming album, Lavos. Uh, the song is called, oh gosh, I looked, I even looked up how to pronounce it. Do you know how to say it? The new song? Uh, in in Kyridian? Yeah. The, in Kyridian? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which basically means like the, I think it means like the the book or the 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 message sort of thing, I think. Uh, or the directions or something like that. Um, all right. So, um, right. So this song is off their upcoming new album that will be out this coming Friday, December 16th. Let's listen to the new song from uh, the Holophonics. Here we go. good song right there oh yeah always good stuff from eric and crew yes uh i'm very excited uh for the world to hear this new album and it Mm -hmm. for it to be out there um all right rj what do you got what do you want to talk about well i mean also released last friday straight from scotland one of my favorite bands they're called uh rude beard and uh they are they put out a new ep i believe it's their ninth ep they're pretty much ep's band it's called A Mucky Fumble with Rootbeard, and here is one of the tracks off it, pretty much the title track, I guess you would say, called A Mucky, a muck, sorry, a mucky Fumble on a Pishy Old Mattress. Uh, tales from uh, Tale of Lockdown Love, part one, two, and three. That is a long song title. <laughs> it is. I love it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Fun song, RJ. 
very fun, very silly, very kind of crass if you pick up on the references. Um, yeah, it's a fun song. <laughs> it's very so bad I, manners of them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so uh, my third ska news story uh, does not have an accompanying song with it because it's not about a new release. It is. What? It is about a tour. Uh, Fishbone kicked off their yes. Red Hot Holiday tour uh, in Vancouver, uh, Canada. In case you're that other Vancouver that you know of, <laughs> uh, on uh, December 9th. And they will tour until the uh, the tour will end on December 18th in San Diego. Joining them on the whole run of the tour is Jer slash um, uh, Scottoon Network. And uh, you can get tickets and find out all the dates at fishbone.net for tickets. The um, goats. Yes. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so check out Fishbone. They're on tour right now. I feel like Fishbone, I heard that they were recording a new album. So I feel like they're definitely gearing up for something. Uh, I heard that too. Because they, uh, they definitely, they're playing Supernova Ska Festival uh, next year. So I feel like hopefully something something's coming. Something's in the works. Yeah. They're playing Croy- Croydon as well in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's in true. April. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So they're they're getting so out there. It's gonna be a banger. Uh, so yeah, so make sure you check out the Red Hot Holiday Tour. Uh, you know, if you're on the West Coast. So yeah. Um, Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> yes. So uh, and also, I do want to remind you before we jump out of Sky News fully that on the Upbeat did release a holiday uh, compilation. Um, called Arose Such a Clatter, Letters to Santa. It features 17 uh, songs, many, many of which uh, songs are... 14 all new. Yes, for this compilation. And many of them you can only get on this compilation, like currently. I believe some of the bands will eventually be putting them on streaming uh, before the end of the year. But as of right now, as the recording of this, there's many of them. You but can that own. might be streaming. If you want to own this thing on your own little hard drive, it might be the only way to go. Yes, it's true. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, they're going to, I actually do know that some, some bands are not going to put the songs on streaming. So this is the only oh. way to, uh, so make sure. And plus all the uh, proceeds go to toys for tots. And so, uh, I mean, if you like children yeah. and want to help, be nice to children. I feel like that's a thing you should want to do. Um, it is pay what you want. So go to our Bandcamp page, and you can pay what you want. So even if it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever, whatever you got. Uh, we know yep. the holidays are always a difficult time, uh, finance wise. Yeah. So anything you can give, we greatly appreciate it. So make sure you check that out. All right. Uh, so Jeff, the first question that we always ask our guest is. How did you get into ska music? When did you really start listening to ska music? How did you discover ska music? What are some of the early bands um, that you were listening to? What is your ska origin story? Right, my ska origin story. Everybody has one. And uh, I started playing the saxophone when I was eight. Um, And also played sports and stuff, just like little kids do. And then as I got a little bit older started to realize not very good at these sports things. I'm pretty good at this saxophone thing. So let's do that. 
Um, and then uh, this is like early 90s, so in the Philadelphia area. So we're riding our bikes. We're going to the record store, you know, to see what's cool and stuff like that. And back then you could put a CD on and put the headphones on at the record store and listen to the songs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I would, my friends would put on things like the dead Kennedys and rancid, uh, early rancid and stuff like that, um, for me and be like, check this band out or this or that. And there was also a lot of alternative rock grunge and stuff that was really popular in the early nineties. And eventually you just keep listening to punk and stuff like that. You're going to end up finding some ska in the headphones, uh, of your local record store. And, uh, I went to the guy at the store and I said, uh, what's this, you know, this has like saxophones and trumpets and stuff and it's really fast and I really like it. Is there any other bands like this? And he goes, yeah. And he gives me New York fever by the toasters on cassette. And I said, okay. Uh, so I paid my, you know, nine ninety nine for it or whatever. And that was really the first time that like I'd heard ska ish stuff like the police and stuff before I'm like maybe 14 years old at this time. And when that came on and the brass hit right off the top of the record really hard and it was really well produced. It had this cool cartoonish art cover on it. It was super New York to me. Like New York was where everything cool was happening according to everything we were being told when we were that age. (laughs) And uh, I immediately like honed in on all the moon sky bands. uh, And I found a band from Philadelphia called ruder than you and ruder than you is kind of like, philly style fishbone if you will like they had that funky fishbone flavor to their ska and they had saxophone and trombone and uh uh, a front person that wasn't white that was doing all the stuff uh the the toasting and whatnot and um they were accessible they played all ages shows at church basements and stuff like that and so once i got into that um it started all coming together for me um, in the mid nineties. And obviously Scott went onto the radio and stuff in like the mid nineties. And it was all mainstream after that. And everybody knew what Scott was, but that's how I found out about it was, you know, I had to seek it out, man. I went to the record stores and was listening to, to, you know, punk bands and bad religion and everything that was popular at that time, of course. And, uh, the green day and the offspring and all those big bands. And it was just inevitable that that stuff was going to sneak in. And because I played saxophone, that stuff really hit with me. It was like, wow, I can be in a band and play saxophone and still be cool. Like have that punk edge that I really admired about a lot of those other bands that I liked uh, when I was that age. Um, and so that stuck with me. And the fact that there were a lot of mixed bills in the Northeast with ska bands playing with hardcore bands and punk bands and playing all ages shows at church basements and stuff like that. And firehouses and VFW halls was like really, really important for keeping me connected to it um, and finding out about all the new bands and stuff. So how do we make this transition from Jeff, the fan of ska to Jeff being in a ska band? How does that, how does that evolve? Yeah, you have to, I, I, I definitely uh, sought it out. Um, <laughs> I was, I was with intent, let's say. So <laughs> uh, literally playing along to, Scatolites, Scofflaws, Toasters, Stubborn All-Stars, Slackers, Hepcat, playing along to the CDs in my room. And just like 
jamming out uh, long solos of Guns and Averone on High Bob Sky, and it's like nine minutes long. So, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. You can just go and play and solo along with the soloist in your room and figure out the chords yourself. And I had theory background a little bit from when I was younger and I took private lessons and stuff. So I kind of was picking up on it. And um, when I joined the Sinatra band, Sinatra, they kind of opened the door for me um, because in the bands in New York, there's a lot of really serious musicians in ska bands, like jazz musicians, like the Scofflaws, Memphis Scopolis, the Toasters, the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. A lot of those guys played in like other bands that were serious jazz musicians. Like the sax player I replaced in the Toasters was in Stanley Clark's band. So like these guys were real musicians to me. I was like, I admired how, how good they were at their instrument and they chose to play ska. Um, And the Scatolites too, obviously getting to see Ball of Fire tour when I was like 17 with Roland Alfonso still in the band and the original lineup um, at the Trocadero that really changed me, man. And um, I got Sinatra an opening slot on a toaster show at the wetlands in like 99. Well, I didn't get it, but I was like, we should play with them. You guys call them, you know, (laughs) they're great. Um, And we got on the bill and it was Sinatra, Edna's goldfish and the toasters. And guess what? Their their saxophone player didn't show up for the gig because he was sick. Mm. that was it. And I was like, I put my horn together and I went to the side of the stage and the trumpet player at the time was Adam Birch from the, the specials, but like the new specials um, who had played in Laurel Aitken's band in the seventies and eighties in England. He's a British guy. And I said, Hey, I know some toaster songs. Um, do you want me to come up and you like sit in with the band? So you're not by yourself and fill in on the songs that I know. And he was like, Sure. And then after the show, he got my number. It turns out he lives in Philadelphia and so did the drummer. And so um, I was on Rolodex for a couple of years. And then after that, it was like next man up and I got a passport and me and Buford O'Sullivan from the Scofflaws, the trombone player who was in Easy Star All-Stars did the, did a European tour in 2001. Um, And I was hooked like on touring. (laughs) I was, I was like, this is so much fun. We got to play with Desmond Decker on that tour we wow. took King Prawn on the road. We played in Croatia, like crazy stuff happened on my first tour. And I was like, this is awesome. And I went back to school and I asked my one-on-one instructor at Temple, um, Ben Schachter. I said, this is what I'm doing. This is my opportunity. What do you, what do you think? You know, he has a solo deal with Telark. He's a professional jazz musician. He said, look, you have a chance to go see the world. He said, we'll be here when you get back. If you want to come back. If you never come back, that's okay too. He said, I'm happy for you. He said, if this is what you want to do, do it. He said, don't miss the chance that it could possibly be, you know, the chance of a lifetime. You never know. And so they were very helpful, my instructors at Temple. So they were not only great teachers, but they weren't scripted. They were men of the world. They toured, they played in bands. They knew what it was like, not just to teach, but to work for a living. And uh, they said, go, get on the bus, get on the plane. <laughs> and so I did. And we, we did that to, for like eight more years. I was in that band and we, we were playing over 200 shows a year for a stretch, man. It was a lot of gigging, a lot of fun. I got to play with some incredible Chris Rhodes, uh, Larry Snell on drums on a lot of those tours. Um, we even had Scott Russell from the Planet Smashers on some tours. 
playing drums with us. Um, incredible musicians I got to sit in with and uh, open for and headline with. And that's how I met these guys just saw Big D in the kids table. That's how I met them. We became really good friends when we took them to Colorado and California in 2004. That was one of the most fun tours I've ever been on in my life. And they were just crushing every night, every night. We were like at the edge in Augusta somewhere in Maine one night. It was a one-off and they played open for us. And Buck would always ask me, cause I was a younger guy who should, who should we take on tour? And they're just blowing through gypsy Hill stuff from like 2003 slaughtering the audience too. Like the crowd was just like going nuts for them. I said, how about these guys? We <laughs> so, should take these guys. And we did. And they, they put out how it goes right after that and got really popular and uh, are amazing people. So, you know, I, a lot of those uh, moments I'll never forget, you know, getting to do those, those tours with some of those bands and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure. I saw several uh, toaster shows with you as a member. Yeah. yeah I didn't um, miss a tour for like eight years. Yeah. So it had to be me. And, yeah. And that was that was like prime, like like I can drive anywhere. I'm in my early twenties now, and, my and we were playing it a like, lot. We played a lot of shows, yeah. man. We would play anywhere, basically, <laughs> like yeah. little towns yeah, in played, Iowa uh, and Flagstaff and like random Fargo, like Winnipeg. The, uh, we didn't care. We play anywhere. Yeah, you you played the riverfront in Peoria, Illinois, with the Smooths. Sure, that sounds yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that was like 2001. Yeah, that okay. was that was yeah. crazy. Totally. Uh, yeah. Peoria. Yeah. We would, we would yep, play anywhere. That's where dude. I grew up. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and I did see champagne. that uh, tour with you and yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did see that tour with you and big D that was, uh, I went and saw that at the creepy crawl in St. Louis. Oh, that was when the, there were so many people in there that they knocked over the merch. Uh, yeah. Yep. It was, that was, <laughs> that was one of the, I'll, I'll never forget that because uh, that bar next door called Dapper Dan's, had yeah. like they they would give us ten dollars each to get food for for the night that was all we got uh from the club usually and uh they had like a steak sandwich for like seven dollars and it was a three dollar budweiser and i had 10 bucks and i would go in and be like can i please have a steak sandwich and, a budweiser? <laughs> and the lady they would they would always laugh at us and that show in particular i convinced the big d guys to come over there and get a sandwich with us and we just knew something was going to happen that night. And it was crazy. I don't think we ever that. I think that guy said he never paid a band more money than he paid us that night or something like that. Cause there was so many oh, wow. people there. They oversold yeah. the show by like 150 kids or something. It was just packed and sweaty. Yeah. And yeah. What a oh, great yeah. bar. I, I couldn't even get up near the front. I was, I've stuck in the back, but that was cool. Cause like ME 330 was hanging out in the back. So I got to like, yeah, they were there like, at yeah. the show. Yeah. And the, <laughs> I got to hang out with Jerry that? and Ted. Man, if I can remember that girl bartender's name, she just always had a Bane hoodie on and was like the oh, coolest shit. bartender ever. I don't remember her name, but if she's out there, <laughs> misconnection. Awesome. So how did Control This get it, get its start? How did, uh, how did Control This get going? Yeah, that's a great question. That's very similar attitude to what I had when I joined the Toasters. It's like, I want to be in this band, so I'm going to go find a way to get in that band um control this started um i took a break after the toasters for like three years of not playing music because i was kind of burned out and was a little bit broke and um got like a new career and started making money and getting my stuff together here in orlando 
And I had moved from Philadelphia at that time during the recession. So I just couldn't afford to live there anymore. And um, the basically, I went, started going to shows here in Orlando and pick, trying to pick out musicians that I wanted to start a band with. Um, and I found this one band um, called 69 Fingers. And they were originally from West Virginia and relocated to Orlando in the 90s and kind of had like a nice little run of being a progressive ska punk band, kind of like RX Bandit style ska, um, really good band. And their drummer just blew my mind. And so I immediately was like, hey, do you know how to play like regular ska too? Not just crazy ska? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, sure, whatever. And so I found a drummer and then I found a bass player through another band and um, a guitar player that was playing in this dub band called I Resolution that was a local band here. And uh, they had like a like a, a dance hall front man and they had a live band and they were cool. I thought they were cool. And um, the drummer was taking lessons from uh, Family Man's son from the Whalers and all this stuff. So they were like a legit reggae band in our scene. And their guitar player was ridiculous. He had these like beautiful Gretsch semi-hollow and all these pedals and stuff. And comes to find out he was a prodigy and his dad was a famous musician at Disney world mm. playing in the hotels for years uh, named Jake Jones. And the drummer's name was Lucas Scarpelli. Uh, my original bass player was Justin Franco. And uh, there was an old ska band from Orlando called Teflon Don. Um, and I drafted their brass player, their trumpet player and was like, Hey, come play with me. I used to be in the toasters. He's like, cool. So, um, <laughs> That was the original control this lineup. And I went to the only people that I knew that booked shows in Orlando at the time, which was a guy named Mike McGraney, who uh, operated at the time, the social club in downtown Orlando, which was where the toasters would always play when we would come to Orlando. And we always did well there and had a good crowd when we came through town. And um, I was friends with the supervillains as well. So I could be like, nudge, nudge. Hey, book my band. I know these guys. And I used to be in the toasters. And so we set up a series of residencies in 2012 with this new band that uh, was completely out of nowhere. And we did four different tribute sets in a four month span on Wednesday nights and didn't charge a cover at the most popular club in town, basically. Mm. And uh, the fourth show, we decided to do a clash tribute set and we hired the singer from the spit valves to sing it for us. Wow. Um, and we did an entire hour of clash covers, but as a ska band um, and choice, of course I choice picked which songs I thought would work well for our band. And I was specifically going for more traditional sound because Orlando was so oversaturated with ska core that there wasn't any like ska ska bands pretty much like third wave or two tone or roots bands. Um, and that's how we started out. And after that, we kind of started writing original material um, the band evolved over the years to include a lot of different styles of ska. And now today, Control This really, uh, for me, is something that I like to use to highlight all the different styles of ska that I like. So we're not just one kind of ska band. If you come see our show, you're going to hear two-tone. You're going to hear like uh, a jazzy ska thing from like maybe 60s or something. And you're going to hear faster third wave stuff, too. Um, and we even turn the distortion pedal on once in a while, believe it or not. So <laughs> <laughs> we're a little bit of everything. And I think we fit well uh, here in town. There's a great local music scene in Orlando, not just 
at one style of music. There's a lot of different bands. Um, and we play a lot of mix bills and festivals and, uh, keep representing the the sound. So when you come to a control, the show, we hope that you get a well-rounded idea of what ska music is in general, not just one particular genre. Awesome. Subgenre, if you will. <laughs> uh, we are going to listen to your song, Immediate Danger. What can you tell us about this song? Imminent Danger. Imminent, and, sorry. Uh, imminent Danger. <laughs> imminent Danger. And you can tell by the lyrics that I wrote this during the lockdown in 2020. So that's pretty much a straight two-tone song. Uh, and two-tone to me means uh, that there's a message, there's something to say. Uh, in two-tone ska so when you when i write a two-tone song i try to have something behind it a little bit of a message and uh, it features my boy jason jason noag barocha who played bass and sang with me in the toasters for four years and lives in sarasota and we're still great friends and he gets the 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 feature the toaster feature in the middle of the song so sort of musically um uh, and lyrically uh, a tribute to those 80s ska days if you will all right so here's Control This with Imminent Danger, and we'll be back and chat. Thank you, Donuts. 
Such a good song. You know what? I as I was listening to that, what I was actually really enjoying is how at different points in verses, uh, sort of like maybe I guess you would say in the background, but like you know, at one point in the verse, there's a keyboard sort of kind of keeping the groove, and then there's like a yeah. guitar thing. Like I like that because it's not just you know whatever. It's not the same. So it kind of yeah. That's that's on purpose. We're musical, man. I take a lot of pride in all uh, the musicians that are in the band that are very good at what they do and our production and Bob Hirschberger that we work with almost exclusively on anything we're going to record. Um, he's he'll always listen to me and uh, do what I want. I'm very hands on with that kind of stuff. And uh, that's all intentional. And wah on the guitar and the way the drums are, the reverse cymbal. Even the New Orleans stuff at the beginning, at the end, that's I'm passionate about New Orleans music and about uh, the how New Orleans is foundational to all popular music in the mm. world yeah. and including ska. Um, oh, yeah. And I play New Orleans music here in town as well. And it's a part of my background. And so just incorporating all of that and what New Orleans means to the history of this country um, cannot be understated, in my opinion, in any anyway. Agreed. Understood. Um, so I also noticed kind of, uh, this doesn't sound creepy, but looking you up online, uh, <laughs> I, oh, know, I noticed, oh, there we go. <laughs> I, 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 I noticed that you also work as a promoter. So sure. how did you begin 
working as a promoter and booking shows? How did that like really get a start for you? Well, when I when you know Dave Romano and you know John Pantel and these other guys from playing in you know playing ska shows over the years, and you want your band to get shows, um, you make that work. So uh, I basically started Florida ska events to get my band on shows. Um, <laughs> it was out of necessity. Um, no one was booking ska bands at that time. It was not very popular, um, but we knew we were good and we could play and we had a draw because our, all the guys in the band were killer musicians and um, we had a good concept. And so uh, I started um, emailing Dave Romano and from covert and emailing other booking agents saying, Hey, I'm in Orlando. Now, if you have a band that needs a show, come at me and I'm going to put it together and make it happen. And so I pretty much just put my wallet on the line and said, you know, yeah, I'll back a guarantee for a mustard plug show on a Wednesday night or whatever it happens to be. Um, you make it happen. And slowly, but surely, uh, they started to listen and we started getting really good shows coming through again. Uh, which, you know, always Florida is going to go up and down. Um, and, uh, so I've stuck by it, uh, for a while now and, uh, we have four shows on the calendar for next spring for Florida Sky events. Uh, and I went to fest recruiting for more for the fall. So <laughs> I'm hoping to get nice. some more bands in the fall and, um, in the summertime, if anybody dares come down here, we will make sure it's inside and it's air conditioned, <laughs> but usually the fall and the spring is the best times for bands here. Cause it's too hot in the summer. And so, um, we look forward to the shows that we have coming up and, uh, growing our base and uh, booking new bands too. There's a lot of new bands in Florida that are starting up that are, that are kicking ass um, and are willing to come up and play. So um, there's definitely good local support for the bands that are from out of town. Um, and we're, we're seeing numbers. We're seeing heads through the door. It's actually, you know, going pretty good. And uh, there's a big Latin community here now, obviously there always has been, but even more so now with Central Americans and Venezuelans and Colombians moving here. Uh, we even have a local ska band in Orlando made up of all Venezuelan guys now. Mm. Um, and they draw, man, like they draw like 50 people every time they play out. It's great. And they're, they're so much fun. So uh, I'm excited for the future. We have a lot uh, coming our way, I think. Awesome. So what advice or maybe tip would you give promoters? Like when they're promoting a show, what do you think like is the best advice for, well, uh, it evolves. A... You have to change. You have to change what you do based on what's happening in, in, in social media now and, and the other and the demographics of the people that are, you know, just watch the door, man. See who's coming and who's there. Like what? How old are they? You know, what what are they into? So like for us right now, video is really critical. Having like little sizzle reels of the lineup and shots yeah. of the crowd at the shows and music in the background. Um, definitely, um, the posters that have animation and audio mm -hmm. behind them. So like animated posters with music is really cool because you can do like a little 10 second clip of the song and the poster can sizzle. Um, and then believe it or not, direct marketing is still incredibly effective. Handbills are back in a big way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I know they kind of went away cause they were overdone at one point, but I'm doing handbills again. I'm bringing handbills to other shows. 
um, passing them out at the merch, making sure the local opener has some handbills at their merch when they're playing another show. Um, all that stuff is really super important. And then also just, I know it sounds stupid, but who you know, um, if you can get other people in the scene to help push your show, that's big as well. So when you have a, a co-pro of any kind, um, and I'm fortunate, I'm, I got Will's Pub here in Orlando, that they promote the hell out of their stuff. So when I have a show there, I know that I'm not on my own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So try to find places that are going to stick with stick by you and uh, and and know that you, they're in it with you. And it's not you're not doing them a favor, per se. You guys are working together. Um, have a good relationship with the social media manager from the venue that you're promoting at. Um, try to do as many mixed bills as you can. Um, having like. Having not ska bands and ska bands playing together has been great for ska histor historically over the years. Um, yes, it's great when we have all ska shows and there's like big sure. numbers turning out for Slackers, Big D, Bite Me, Bambi. That's great. That's awesome. But then on the ground roots level, like bands like us, we need to play with hardcore bands and punk bands and, right. and other bands of people who might hear us and come to our show because... You know, and even when we have the toasters or mustard plug or somebody like that in town here in Orlando, I will always find a not ska band to put on the bill. Like I will purposely do that. So yeah. try to keep it diverse. If you can find bands of different colors, of different languages, of different uh, genders, then put those people on the show as well and let them showcase themselves. Uh, I think the more inclusive we are, the better off we're going to be with Sky in the future. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, on the flip side, you both as working as a promoter and actually being in a band yourself at times and currently, uh, what advice do you give? Would you give to bands when trying to book shows? Um, when you're trying to book shows that you're not like setting up or organizing yourself, just right. be honest. This is what we sound like. Here's a video. Here's an audio. This is our how many followers we have. And this is how much we usually draw when we play. And this is how much we usually make when we play. So when we play out of town, when I ask, seek out, I mean, a lot of times stuff falls in your lap if you are good at this. Sure. But sometimes you have to seek out, you know, places. Oh, I need a Friday in Jacksonville because I got a, a Saturday in Savannah or whatever, wherever you're at. You know, just be honest, professional. And if you if you have the right locals and the club is behind you, it's okay to take a door deal. Sometimes that works. Sometimes you make more and then their venues very impressed. And they're like, wow, these guys came in and bet on themselves and made a bunch of money. Next time they're going to tap that email wide open as soon as you send it. So um, it's all about putting together a nice quick package and being professional and honest about what you are, who's going to come out, how many people they're going to bring. Uh, for locals and everything and just break it down, make it, make their job easy, you know? So when they see the email, they go, well, it's going to be this. So do we want to do this? Sure. It fills a night on the calendar. A lot of these places after COVID um, are trying to get back to having a show seven days a week. Right. Some of these smaller venues, these DIY places, um, they want seven shows. They want people in the building because they need it. They're desperate for money uh, to, for their staff to make money when they're bartending 
Um, and if it's something that even the regulars at the place will come in and pay $10 to see, now you're cooking because you got the regulars, the local bands are going to bring somebody, and then you're going to bring somebody too because you're coming in from out of town. So I think just be honest and try to be as professional as you can when you're putting the email together and make it short and sweet. These guys don't want to read 300 words, you know, and they want to watch, they want to watch, you know, 15 seconds of your video and they want to listen to one of your songs on Spotify on the way to work. And that's it to decide if they're going to come to the, if they're going to put the show on sometimes. So, you know, and also, you know, foster those relationships. If, if a show does go well in another town outside of your area, then go back. (laughs) It's simple, you know, like go again, hit them back up, you know, if it went well the first time, it's probably going to work again. That's what the toasters taught me was, you know, we would go to the creepy crawl. We went, we must've played there like five times in a four year <laughs> span or something because it was working. Like, it, it, you know, why fix was not broken. Right. If, if you got a good spot, go back there, man, you know, and crank it up and make that money. So, yeah. and have fun. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So is there anything in the ska scene that you would like to see more of? Uh, you know, I know you kind of talked about diversity, but, uh, is there anything, uh, in ska that you'd like to just see happen more often? Uh, well, I'd like to see more, more ska bands on not ska bills like cat bite was on with anti-flag. I think that's really important to get the, the, the basic mainstream rock fans who don't really see that ska is relevant you know, in maybe their community to find out. And then they seek out a local ska band and go to a show or something like that. That could be more helpful. Some of these bigger bands actually take a ska band on tour that aren't ska, you know, that could be helpful festivals. They need more ska bands to be on these festivals. You see like one or two of them at the bottom, or if it is one at Streetlight or Less Than Jake, and that's it. And right. they kind of like wave the flag. And I've God bless them. I love those guys. And, you know, just saw both of them this summer. But, uh, you know, definitely more ska bands on the bigger festivals and more ska bands uh, on not ska band shows. Um, and then if you're in a local band and you just kind of doing your thing, seek out some not ska bands and try to put the show together. You know, like we're doing a show on Wednesday um, at a sushi bar. with a hardcore band and a pop punk band and the pop punk band is uh, a rapper and a lo-fi dj have a pop punk band in orlando because of course they do because it's orlando and they're incredible uh and the hardcore band is incredible and then we're playing and it's like a random thing and it's a wednesday night um and we got a local promoter to push it um who's very well known here in the in the market so Try something, man. Try that. You know, you got to you got to jump out of the water or jump into the water sometimes, even if it's a little bit cold and see what comes of it. And if it turns out, you know, you're going to get five new people, 10 new people coming to another show down the road, then it was worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Before we head out, of course, we do have our ska picks of the week. Jeff, why don't you go first and tell us about your ska pick and why you picked it? Uh, my new favorite band from here in Florida is called Fuakata, and uh, they are uh, a really cool uh, ska core band from Miami with a, a, a girl I know named Sophia that plays trumpet and uh, her husband on the drums. 
Um, and their singer sings in English and their guitar player sings in Spanish. And so their songs are a wild ride. Um, and we've had them twice now in Orlando. They just formed this year. They're a brand new group. Um, and I'm hyped on them right now. And they've come to Orlando twice in the last three months, three times in the last three months and crushing it. Their show is great. So I'm excited to see what they've got. And I love this song um, on their EP. All right. So we're going to listen to Blackout by Fuakata. And uh, here we go. Fills the room, lonely souls without any clue. What the hell brings us out tonight? Feeling our lips, off for this time. Dropping stall personas. Is that guy in a fucking coma? Cigarette smoke keeps me staggered. Is it me or am I powered? <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome they're yeah, great they, man they're fun bands yeah they're a lot of fun live and uh bring the energy and uh the trumpet player has a, a harmonizer on her microphone so it's oftentimes at the shows it sounds like there's two trumpets playing at the same time which is great because uh they're loud <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah they're fun all right awesome i'm stoked for them so my Scott pick is from the band, uh, the Planet Smashers. It is their, their song, Unstoppable. I just always like this song. So it's a great song. Let's check it out. The Planet Smashers with Unstoppable. I have no alibi. I have no need for one. I'll fess to what's been such a just an enthusiastic energetic song i like it a lot and uh, i'm excited the um planet smashers are stopping by here in southern california in january so i'm excited to um hopefully get out to see them for the first time so they're incredible man i've played so many shows with those guys and so many memorable shows not just like a show here a show there some of the places that we played together were just incredibly epic one time, I think we played, I think it was Club Soda in Montreal, and it was Planet Smashers, Toasters, Mustard Plug, Death by Stereo. That was, that was wow. the lineup. Just ridiculous. And Jeff Rosenstock was in the dressing room with his Casio playing music for everybody. <laughs> just incredible <laughs> nights. Incredible nights with those guys. Uh, one of my favorite ska bands of all time, for sure. Awesome. RJ, tell us about your ska pick. Uh, my Scott pick, you know, you know, going over, listening to the new Holophonics, I was 
reminded of an uh, older Holophonics song, a, a cover back when they were doing a lot of covers. Uh, the name of the song is Making People Normal. It is by a band I've mentioned once or twice on this uh, podcast. They're called Biss out of Scotland. Um, yeah, they're my favorite band. And uh, when they were looking for covers one time, I told Eric about this one. And he said, good enough. And they put it on Masquerades Volume 3. So here you go. All right. So here's uh, Hellophonics. Uh, Holophon- I keep saying Hellophonics sometimes. Holophonics. <laughs> Uh, with uh, apparently a song that's good enough, uh, making people normal. Here we go. Jay, no matter what you say, uh, I heard from a guy on a holiday compilation say that you made up the band Biss. Um, I, ah, but man, uh, if only I was talented enough to <laughs> to make up such a, a band that has such a storied career in many different genres. Um, I wish, man. <laughs> but that uh, that is a good cover. Uh, it really is. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, maybe I'll check out Biss sometime, but. I don't know. There's a lot of ska in the world I gotta listen to. And they, yeah, they've done a couple ska songs. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a dick. <laughs> yep, Merry Christmas. Um, uh, all right. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us this week. We definitely appreciate it. You hanging out and chatting with us. Yeah, and thanks for so having much, me. And, uh, You're welcome. Uh, what what does Control This have going on in the future? Anything uh, our listeners should know about? Uh, yeah, we're playing uh, January 7th at Will's Pub with Flying Raccoon Suit. are coming to Florida here in January, so very excited uh, to have them back for their second time in town, first since the lockdowns. And then um, we'll be gigging around Central Florida uh, in February. And then in March, we're going to open for Mustard Plug when they come and play with us here uh, at the pub as well. And then two shows that haven't been announced yet, but will be announced in the next few weeks uh, in April um, with some bands from out of town as well. And uh, going to continue doing what we do, man. Trying to put some music out and play ska here in the Central Florida area. So if you're from Florida or if you're visiting Central Florida, which we know a lot of people come here and visit, yeah. Uh, look us up and come to a show, man. Come say hey. So we love it when out of towners come and visit too. That's uh, always a blast, man. Yeah, I hear you have a a gigantic mouse that controls everything in Orlando. Uh, right. The- so uh, <laughs> so that's kind of a little bit of a drive from us, but there's still some opportunities to come and uh, see ska, uh, local ska here in Orlando. And if you're in Orlando area, definitely 
look us up on Florida Sky Events on Instagram uh, and control this on Facebook uh, and try to come see if we're playing a show. And if we're not, we'll tell you where there might be a show. So you might be able to catch uh, a show while you're here anyways, even if we're not happen to be playing that weekend. Yes, and control this is also streaming on streaming platforms. And, of course, you have a band band camp page. And so Mm -hmm. we'll link all that in the show notes for this episode. You can go to to Bandcamp and download our entire discography for like $20-something. It's really cheap. So you can get all our singles, all our EP, and our full length and everything. Um, We got a dub version of one of the songs from Agent J on there. And we got Jason on some songs and uh, singles and EPs and covers and all sorts of fun stuff that you can download all at once for one low price. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. Thank you for joining us this week. And listeners, thank you for listening. We love that you check out our show on the regular. We appreciate it. We thank you for listening. Uh, It means a lot to us. And if you've already picked up the the Ska Holiday compilation, we appreciate that. We have enjoyed hearing everyone's thoughts, and we're glad uh, that you are all enjoying it. And uh, thank you so much for listening to that and this podcast. And until next week. Hey, keep listening to Sky, everybody. You've been listening to On The Upbeat. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get all the new episodes as soon as they're available. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at On The Upbeat Ska. Follow our Spotify playlist, Ska Favorites. It features all the songs heard on the show. Please consider joining our Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash ontheupbeatska to sign up today. And thank you for supporting On The Upbeat.